0: Good afternoon, good evening, my name is Marty Plum and I am your host of a pen and napkin podcast, weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview podcast series. It's been a little while, it's it's been a few weeks, Uh, again kind of talked about that a little bit last week, but glad to be back early, really early on a Sunday morning here with Mr. Eric Rippen, the head boys basketball coach at Amherst High School here in Nebraska. But before we get to Coach Rip in here, we've got a few things to go through. First of all, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, it's located at 144th and Maple. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Give them a call at 402 964 300 Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle. Haven't been as good as that with that lately. Uh you know, Coach. I was talking with my assistants on the way home last night. Uh, in our last 14 days of basketball, we've had eight games and six practices. Um, I feel like we're more like the Brooklyn Nets or the Minnesota Timberwolves than we are a high school team right now. So, so the Twitter handle has suffered a little bit, but I will be back on that in due time. We'll get that going there. Uh, so, be sure to check that out uh, if you're listening. Download, rate, review. Give us a five star if you're on iTunes, if you're on Spotify, whatever it may be. Uh, the more you do that, the higher up we go in the rankings. So, folks look up coaching basketball podcasts, they see a pen and a napkin, and that helps us out. And then, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. It's a really good coaching website. I know that because I'm the one that made it. I think there's a lot of really, really good stuff on there that will help out coaches at all levels. Mr. Eric Rippin, the head boys basketball coach at Amherst High School in Amherst, Nebraska. Coach, how are you doing this fine Sunday morning?
1: Oh, I'm not doing too bad. Like you said, just trying to wake
0: up after a long week here. So <laughs> yeah, we are uh, we are recording this right now. I'm trying to read my computer. It is eight ten a.m. and I think we are both. Just trying to get the blood flowing here a little bit today. But we are going to get going here, and uh, we're going to have a great discussion. So, uh, Coach, uh, let's get this going the way that we normally do here. uh, For folks that don't know about you and your basketball journey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Tell us how you ended up at Amherst High School and, and, and how you've been there the last few years.
1: Yeah, um... Grew up in a small town, Colberts in Nebraska, kind of southwest um, corner. Uh, went to high school at McCook High School. Um, had a lot of success in football, as McCook's known for. Yep. Um, you know, and then but basketball was always my favorite sport growing up. Um, after after high school, I went to McCook Community College for a year and played basketball. Um, after that, went to decided just to go to. school route and went to UNK. Um, UNK led me to a lot of good things um, and introduced me to um, Elm Creek. Elm Creek is uh, where I started my coaching journey. Um, Tanner Cavaney, uh, we knew the superintendent, me and one of my friends, and he reached out and said that Tanner was looking for a couple of assistants. And again, I'm a sophomore in college, you know, kind of a younger kid, but um, was looking to get into teaching you know the reason to get into teaching was so i could coach i really again had a had a passion for basketball about my whole life and um wanted to continue to be a part of it and so um thought it was a great opportunity had a meeting with tanner down in Elm creek and um hit things off and so the next four years of college was an assistant under him and um different things and so after that did my student teaching down there graduated from UNK and then first job was at Amherst and um I actually was a fourth grade teacher for my first two years and um the PE teacher left and so I took over his spot and um a couple years later the uh the head coach left and um they trusted me to be the head coach there and um now that's kind of where we sit
0: yeah uh you had mentioned on the 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 survey or whatever that i asked you to fill out uh that that tanner was one of your big influences uh what what was it about tanner um that uh you know you you had a desire to coach uh but but he obviously sparked something in you to to continue with the profession you know what was it about him uh that that has been really influential in your career
1: yeah um you know i think just his his passion his passion and the way he cares about the the players that he coaches um he's he's a real fiery guy kind of you know when you watch him from the stands and you don't really know him outside of that you might think he's kind of crazy um you know he's he's really fiery on the on the bench but um behind the scenes he you know those kids that he coaches are you know just like kids to him and um, they they mean a lot to him, and so just the way he cared about him and the way he made um, the basketball team just feel like a family, I thought was was really special, and it's something that I've tried to, you know, carry on and take forward with me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yo, know, you uh, you went through a, a situation, coach, uh, that no coach ever wants to go through. You you uh, had to guide. Young people through the through the death of a classmate and uh, the the death of a teammate, uh, a a young man by the name and I hope I'm I'm pronouncing this correctly, Talon Trampy. Did I say that correctly? Yep. Yep. Um, You know, kind of tell us a little bit about Talon. uh, You know, what was so special about him? uh, You know, some of the things that you learned from. You know, I'm seasoned and experienced. Uh, and that would be extremely difficult for me to, to do, uh, let alone being a younger coach like you were when all of this happened here. Uh, you know, so, so kind of just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, that experience, tell us a little bit about Talon, the type of kid that he was and, and kind of everything that, that you and your program went through there.
1: Yeah. Um, and again, I'll do my best here. Yeah. Um, first came to Amherst, like I said, I was, uh, fourth grade teacher and Talon was actually in the very first class that I taught at Amherst Uh Um, and one of my friends had kind of you know I work at a golf course in the summers and um, one of my friends did this uh, program at the YMCA that works with young kids and she told me that oh you know Talon is going to be he's an Amherst kid he's going to be a part of your first class I think you two are really going to hit it off um, he's this taller, you know, kid who loves basketball. And I'm like, oh, you know, you know, sure, sure we will. So get there. And, um, like she said, we, we had an instant connection. Um, Talon was this as a fourth grader. Again, I'm not the world's tallest kid by any means. Um, I'm only about five, nine or so, but as a fourth grader, Talon was already about five, nine. And I mean, you just, you don't see that very often. And kids that young age and, um, he just, he had, a, he had a smile that just would light up a room. Um, and so when he walked in, you know, he was kind of shy at first as all the kids were and different things. But, um, you know, he was also kind of a a kid that could lighten up the room too by saying, you know, just joking around with you. Or you could joke around with him and he'd start laughing and all the other kids would, you know, just feed off of him. But um, he, was, he was just a super kind, nice um, kid that... Everyone could get along with, and so as the years went on, I knew, you know, he was also part of a pretty, pretty athletic, you know, gifted class of basketball players, and so everyone knew that that class, and then now the class that is seniors right now uh, would probably be the next big thing to come through Amherst um, as they get older and whatnot. So, me being a basketball, you know, coach, and was hoping to one day be a head coach for these guys, um, got me really excited and obviously wanted me to, you know, made me want to be a part of their life, you know, even more. And so, um, as they grew up, you know, I tried to get involved, um, coached them in junior high, um, went, you know, kind of with them around weekend tournaments, watching these kids, um, as one of my other coaches actually would coach them, um, on the weekends and whatnot. But, Just got to know him, you know, really well. And then um, him and Scout Simmons, who was a senior for us last year, same age, uh, they were basketball managers for me as eighth graders. And, um, you know, I looked at him one day and I just said, we are going to win a state championship together. You know, whatever it takes, one day, you know, we will win a state championship together. And, um, you know, it's one thing that you you get – thinking back on is you know all things have transpired and whatnot and um what that would mean to those guys but um years went on you know Talon became a freshman um it was about oh about a month into basketball we were doing a conditioning drill and Talon was kind of struggling he was uh uh you know struggling to get up and down the court kind of holding his chest and I looked over at my assistant, and I go, Man, Tom's town's really struggling today, you know. And so I went over to him and just said, you know, hey, you know, you doing okay? And he just pointed to his heart and you know, I'm like, Well, what the heck? And he goes, I, I'm gonna I have an appointment in a couple of weeks to get my heart looked at as you know, if I get to run in or doing things that it really starts to beating fast and yeah. He just can't keep going. Yeah. And I said, "Well, you know, I mean, that's something that you just gotta, you know, you've gotta tell us about so we can keep an eye on it, yep, whatnot." And by this time, you know, Talon's a freshman. He weighs, you know, probably 120 pounds, and he's six six. You know, so he's just this tall, string bean, you know, type-looking kid, and but that's just the way he's always been. No one's ever really, you know, thought anything of it. Um, so he goes to this doctor. They send him to a heart specialist. Bunch of different things go on. He's playing for us. Then one specialist says that, you know, he probably shouldn't be playing basketball. As if he takes a shot to the chest, they're not sure what will go on. So kind of the first half of the basketball season, he was on the court. He was off the court. He was on the court. He was off the court. Of, you know, we just couldn't diagnose what was really going on, and we are waiting for some answers well. Finally, one you know that finally they put it down to what they call Marfan syndrome. Oh, okay. Um, yep. You know Marfan syndrome, you have a your aortic valve, you know, or valve going to your heart is just enlarged,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and causes some problems. And so, um, once that went on, he kind of kind of stopped with basketball, is because like I said, if you take a shot to the chest too hard or get going, work yourself too hard, it could lead to some bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of tough because, again, he was a vital part to our team already as a freshman. I mean, he's standing at 6'6". You know, you uh-huh. can do a lot of good things. Um, and so, again, we went through. Him and his family decided that he was going to get, um, in order to play sports down the road, he was going to need to have open heart surgery and get this fixed. Um, so they got that scheduled for uh, right as school was kind of getting out, middle of May. And whatnot, um, and again, this kid—he loved sports. That was that was his whole life. That's all he knew. What to do growing up? He was all about it, basketball especially. Um, you know, so he didn't know what he would do in life if he couldn't play sports. So that was a big, you know. And as a parent, you don't want to see. You know, you want to do what's best for your kid. It's a tough decision. You know, as those guys had to make. And um, I think everyone was kind of on board of. You know, having this surgery, knowing, yeah, obviously, open-heart surgery always can be some complications, but you just don't hear a ton of super bad things happening. And you trust doctors these days with all the technology and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. um, he goes and has this surgery, and everything's going good, whatnot. He's back home. You know, he had to stay in the hospital, I think, for about four or five days got home, was doing great, everything was going pretty smooth, was out walking around, you know, every now and then at nights with his parents, you know, doing a little bit of exercise and, um, and everything, and, um, it was a couple weeks later that he was over at his, uh, his girlfriend's house just hanging out, um, and Carney's mom had dropped him off and went to run some errands while, you know, he hung out with her for a while, and, um... Him and his girlfriend were hanging out downstairs, from what I was told, and all of a sudden he looked over at her and he said, "You know, Kate, and something, something's not right." And a uh, couple seconds later, he was gone. Jeez. Um, yeah, and haven't you know? I, it's it's tough to have a sit down conversation with his with his parents, you know and um because again i know it's tough on those guys and different things and it's their business and whatnot so i haven't asked a ton of details i just you know i know sure. that he wasn't it was there was nothing they could do at that time to you know bring him back and especially after having an open heart surgery you know he has a big incision down yep you know the middle of his chest So there's just not a lot but um you know obviously there's doctors you look things up of different things that can happen and whatnot, but I've just kinda left it left it at that that it was just it wasn't meant to be. Um it was it was a difficult time for a lot of people. Um like I said, Talon was a kid that I I had an instant connection with the minute I came to Amherst. Um he was he was like a son, more so than maybe some other players, just because, again, he has to go through this um, and whatnot. And I felt bad, still feel bad for his parents, feel bad for a lot of, you know, his friends. Um, But God has a plan for all of us. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just what it was. And we had to move on. And so, um, you know, I had to do the best I could to try to be there for these other kids and um as it was still hard on me um and different things i had a, I had a small my uh, oldest son was a one two-year-old at that time and um you know and so it kind of just pulls on your dad's strength is a little bit too of you know can't imagine the loss of you know an actual son but um yeah, yeah and again like i said i was i was a young young coach at that time i was my third year of being a head coach and different things and to try to process all this of thinking you know what can we do or where do we go from here with without a big piece of uh you know your team moving forward for the next three years yeah um and whatnot and so um you know he had two of two of his best friends were on our basketball team for the the last three years and you know they were they were a bear for their best friend at age fifteen. Yeah. You know I mean that's far, far too young for any kid. Can't imagine you know anyone having to go through it. Yeah. Um, you know and so I credit those kids because man they you know and you would have never guessed you know I mean they were they went on with life and they lived life for him and they played those next three years and kind of everybody you know we made our team motto team slink. Yeah, you know, we called him. I gave him the the nickname uh, Slink because he just reminded me of a slinky because he was <laughs> so long. You know, yep. he, just, he could just stretch out for for so long, and so it kind of then just uh, stuck. And we kind of just went with Team Slink as our slogan for the next three years. And um, you know, we put his we put Slink on the back of his jersey, and we hung his jersey on our on our bench every game for the next three years um and carried him all around with us because like i said he would have been a big big part of our team for those next three years and he would have been a, um you know i we were ended up being state runner-up last year Uh um and it would have been his senior year and i still tell people there's no doubt in my mind you know that we're state championship you know we're a state champion team if he's here Uh you know and i still give credit to those kids to still make it to that point and play for him and do the things for him, you know, without him, you know, being able to be there and that's not a discredit to any of the other teams. I mean, Freeman's a phenomenal team last year and, you know, maybe we aren't, you know, but you put a kid that's, you know, he was 6'6 as a freshman and with this Marfan syndrome, you could, you know, he was told that he could get, you know, keep growing. So, you know, 6'6, 6'8, whatever he would end ended up being, you put a kid like that out there with a lot of ball skill you know, it's a game changer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, just it was tough, but yeah. you know, again, we lived those next three years. You know, kind of in his memory, and I think it led to you know a lot of good things.
0: Mm-hmm. How did it? And I and I don't know if this is the right word or not, Eric. So forgive me, but uh, how did how did it how did it change you as a coach? You know, how did it how did it change your perspective, especially being like I said you are you are a young head coach uh at the time and, and still are you a young guy. Yeah you you you're you're not in that season and experienced category yet. But uh yeah. you know uh how how has that changed your perspective on coaching?
1: Yeah, uh I mean it just it opened my eyes, you know, to to really cherish every day and every season with the group of players that you have, you know, I mean I've been very, very blessed and fortunate to have landed in Amherst. It's it's an amazing community. The school is awesome. Um, but the kids, you know, I, I've been to different schools. I've talked to a lot of different teachers and coaches of, you know, the problems and things that they have. And, you know, at Amherst with our kids, I've, it's stuff that I really haven't ever had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so it's, it's made me just try to, again, just cherish every moment you have with them because you just don't know, you know, God's plan and whatnot of when anything bad could go on. And so, you know, we wake up every day and with the opportunity to go to practice and be around the people that you love and the friends that you get to be a part of. And for those high school kids, I tell them, you know, you only get four years of this and then you guys are kind of all going to go your separate ways. And some of you are going to stay in touch and some of you, you know, might not never, you know, ever talk to each other again. And so it's just, we try to have as much fun as we can, you know, along with just making sure that we're still taking care of business. But um, just trying to make it as much of a family atmosphere as we can where everyone is getting along and enjoying each other. And Because, um, again, the, the seasons go by quick. Mm-hmm. Coaches,
0: you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. You, you talked about your, your run that you made there, Coach. Uh, you know, your. Your, your first trip, you, you you pull off a big upset over Freeman. You know, that 8-1 win. Uh, you make it to the state tournament, or you make it to the state championship game last year. Unfortunately, you kind of lost the rematch there with Freeman. Uh, you know, wh- what have you learned uh, on these these couple of deep runs that you've made uh, as, as a head coach? Uh, what are some of the things that you have taken from these couple of situations uh, about your, your prep? Uh, getting ready for the tournament, uh, how to coach under under the, the the big lights of of the state tournament? Uh, you know what's just kind of that 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 whole thing there. What, what's that? Uh, what's what have you learned from those the last couple of years in those situations?
1: Yeah, um, you know, again, the biggest thing you know with us is we try to we try to make it as fun as and, and as an enjoyable experience as we can down there for those kids because you don't know when the next time is that you're going to be back at state you know, and or if you'll ever be back. And so to go down there and, um, you know, make it a, a fun, you know, fun experience, but also it's an experience to where, you know, you're also going down there as a business trip. You're going down there to try to win a state championship. And um, a couple of years ago, you know, we did come in as the eight seed, but we didn't view ourselves as the eight seed, you know. PowerPoints, just the way it worked out. Um, but the minute we saw film on Freeman, you know, we really liked our chances. We thought we were pretty similar, um, you know, team-wise to them and whatnot. But, again, it was taking a good bunch of young kids, you know, majority juniors and sophomores, you know, our best players with a couple seniors, you know, that have never been down there either to try to, you know, guide them and to get them ready for what they're about to go through was um, definitely a learning experience for all of us. but. As an assistant, I had been down to state for four years, you know, and kind of learned under my, you know, past head coaches of Tanner and Bill Giffen of, you know, what to do and different things that I would have maybe changed and Mm -hmm. whatnot. And, um, you know, we tried to take them to games before ours to get them, you know, involved and see what a state atmosphere feels like. You know, I thought that was key that first year to take them to a game and let them feel the environment and get used to what's going to go on before they took the court and um but then at the end of the day i mean you got to just let the kids you got to trust your training you know that you've worked all season of letting the kids go out there and do what do what they do and you've got to trust yourself as a coach that you've prepared your team you know the best possible way to you know go down there and make a deep run and um you know to win win games at the state tournament you need a little bit of luck sometimes mm-hmm. uh, you need to have have the ball bounce your way and um, that first year I think the ball just bounced our way a couple more times you know than it did for Freeman uh-huh. you know and um, then you look at last year and the state championship with the rematch with them um, I think it just the ball bounced their way you know a couple more times than it did for us and um, that, can be, that can be the difference in a basketball game but um You know, I I think going to games, letting the kids experience, you know, even after you play, if you can go to games on your rest day, you know, now that the state tournament's four days, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's big to keep those kids, you know, locked in and just around basketball and to watch, you know, everything go on, I think is a big part of it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I I think that you you kind of bring up a, a really good point. Sometimes when you get into those state tournament situations or a, a district championship situation where you have eight days to prepare, you know, cause you gotta, you know, sometimes you gotta, and it depends on what class you're in. And obviously yeah. every state is different, but in, in Nebraska, we kind of have that uh, sometimes, you know, there, there is such a thing as overcoaching it, isn't it coach? And you, and you gotta kind of fight, you gotta fight that off a little bit, don't you?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, after your district, you know, championship game, you know, in order to make it to state. You get a whole week, you know, of girls' state basketball to prepare. And, um, you know, again, the kids are – they're looking forward to Lincoln. They're looking forward to getting down there. You you know, you can only watch film and do things so much throughout that whole week of practice, you know, week and a half really because then you go the next couple days after girls' state and whatnot. But, um, you know, again, we just – we try to mix in a couple fun days in there to where it's more relaxed and we kind of take time off away from the scouting report a little bit, um, you know, just to ease their mind and not put too much stress on them. You know, what I mean, you don't want to, you don't want them to think that we're taking opponent too light or whatnot. But you also, like I said, it's, it's an enjoyable time. You've all those three months of work that you've put in are finally have paid off and you're just ready to get down there. Mm-hmm. You need those kids minds at ease as much as possible. And so, um, again, I think it's important to mix in a couple of fun activities in there, or fun things to do, you know, throughout that week and a half of prep to make sure that you're not, you know, overdoing it or overthinking things, you know, you get to watch a film, you know, multiple hours at night every night then you you know one thing could pop up here and then you you know another thing you see from another team that they did you know pops up and you just got to trust your gut and your your feeling and um you just got to roll with it in my opinion
0: what are a couple of the things that you did to you know lighten things up what are what are you know what are what are a couple of those activities that you threw in there with your kids
1: Yeah, um, you know, again, a couple practices, we just make it more of, you know, like a game competition, you know, a bunch of shooting drills, non-contact type games that just get the kids competing, you know, against one another, you know, and whatnot, I think is just to to where you're handing out, you know, whether it's prizes or different things, you're rewarding those kids for these competitions and just trying to put smiles on their faces. And, um, you know, every once in a while, we'll jump into some shooting things with them and whatnot just to, you know, get that competitive juices flowing as they like to think that they can beat us and whatnot. So, um, you know, sometimes you guys got to show them that, you know, the old guys still have it a little bit. uh, You know, but they love that. You know, that's the part where, you know, that gets them the most fired up and going. And so I think just keeping the mood light like that with little things is, Mm -hmm. is always key.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, uh, I I like that. You know, you you got to still prove to them that you're a legend. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, right. Uh, 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 what what was kind of the biggest growing process for you uh, as an assistant coach, uh, going into being a head coach? What was what was kind of the biggest growth process for you?
1: You know, I uh, I was an assistant at the age of twenty. You know, and so I think um just the maturity aspect of knowing, you know, you go in there and, again, as the assistant coach, you know, that, you know, Tanner did a good job of saying, you know, I'm going to be hard on these guys. You guys, you know, you assistants, you're the ones that are there to kind of, you know, coddle them a little bit, you know, to be the nice guys. You know, I'm going to be hard. I'm going to yell. You know, that's my job. Your job is to kind of help, you know, them understand what's going on of why, you know, it's okay if coach yells at you type thing and whatnot, and so but you also have to decipher of being their friend, mm-hmm. you know, as a young kid, you know, 20 years old, you're dealing with some kids that are 18, you know, there's only a couple year age difference. And so it's hard to not want to just, you know, become a friend that they still have to realize that you are, you know, their coach and whatnot. And they have to respect you and do things as a coach. So um, I think for me, that was kind of one of the biggest and hardest parts. I mean, yeah, you could it's still okay to be their friends, you know, and whatnot, but, um, just to decipher, you know, how far to take that, Yeah, you know, and whatnot, but also keep it as a professional level. Um, you know, I think that was a big growing process early, um, and whatnot. And then as the years went on, you know, of just knowing that I'm, you know, every year I was getting closer to hopefully becoming that head coach of, um, you know, I started to prepare, You know, how would I – I would act like I'd go into games preparing that I was the head coach. How would I prepare to become – you know, how would I prepare our guys to get ready for the game tonight, you know, and whatnot, Um, you know, and different things. And then just treating a JV game, you know, that you are the head coach of, Mm -hmm. like you are a head coach of a varsity game. You Mm -hmm. know, I think that was, you know, the biggest aspect of
0: it. Yeah. Well, and and I think one of the arts of coaching is – You, you as a head coach, you have to create trust and you have to have great relationships. But also there's times where you need to be the bad guy. I mean, literally about 18 hours ago, I had to be the bad guy uh, uh, because we, you know, it, it was just. It just needed, you know we we were not we were not playing, and and I'm not the bad guy too often. I'm I'm quite honestly a pretty relaxed guy, and 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 I try to teach uh, rather than hooting and hollering. But um, sometimes you gotta, you know that's that's the role that you have to that you have to take on, and and I think that is for younger head coaches that I think that's one of the the toughest transitions that you have to make is okay, I want to – I because I, nobody doesn't want to be liked, but sometimes yeah. you have to realize as a head coach that there's days where, all right, maybe today for the good of this team and the good of the program, <laughs> they can't like me very much. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that's part of it, don't you think?
1: Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, me being a young kid, you know, still, um, I think it's easier, you know, kind of for me to – relate to these kids you know and honestly I think that's been a big part of kind of our success is just the relationships that I have with our kids you know I me being younger it's easy for me to get with you know get with them and do some fun things I'm the the PE teacher now you know and so I get to be around a lot of them you know most of the day and see them and um so I've built up a really good relationship with you know a lot of our kids and I think that that goes a long ways in saying, you know, the success of our program, you know, in my eyes. But there are days where, you know, you have to put your hat backwards maybe a little bit and put on a different face of really getting after him and, you know, and tell him that, you know, you're not going to like me today and that's an okay thing. You know, you just have to re reiterate that at the end of the day, you do love him, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to do what's best for him, but at times it's going to take me really getting after you and, challenging you and again you might not like it um but it's what's got to be done you know at the end of the day you're trying to win games and if that's what it takes to win games um you know that's what it takes but yeah i'm not the world's meanest guy by any means and i hate when you know I, people you know i think people don't like me and whatnot so um it's hard for me to do but uh, i also know that um there's a lot of expectations for me as a coach and whatnot and so sometimes it's just it's something that needs to be done and um you know like I said you just just make sure that the kids know that you know you love them at the end of the day and you push forward
0: yeah absolutely so coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet as many of you know I spent two years outside of coaching and during that time I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said strip the house down to the studs I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach, at this time, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, We're going to jump into, as you know, our our John Wooden quote of the day here. Uh, Coach, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, from Wood in a lifetime of observations here page number 57 and I want to give credit where credit is due I was actually working on our on uh, on this podcast on our bus trip up to our our game yesterday and uh, at this part I was trying to copy this out of the book but uh, I couldn't I couldn't like hold the book and type at the same time so I I, I told, uh, I told this student that I would give her credit where credit is due for helping me out here with this. So, Anna Mallory, Jr. at Fort Calhoun, thank you very much for helping me out with this portion of episode number 205 of A Pen and a Napkin Podcast with the John Wooden Quote of the Day. So, so Coach, if you ever run into a girl named Anna Mallory from Fort Calhoun High School, uh, there you go. So, uh, the John Wooden Quote of the Day is, I have never gone into a game thinking we were going to lose. Never even though there have been games where the experts say there was no way we could win. Even if we were big underdogs, I always felt that anything could happen. Often enough, I was right. That's also why I never assumed we were going to win. What do you got for me, Coach?
1: Man, yeah, a lot there. Um, You know, I I love it. You know, I think as a coach, you can't have that mindset that you are ever going to go into something that you're going to lose, you know? And, um, cause if you think you're going to lose, then what's that say to the kids? You know, I mean, everyone goes through life with something that they're probably not going to win. No one wins everything, you know, in life. Um, no coach has ever won every single game they've been a part of. There's always going to be those challenges, but, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to prep and prepare, like, you're going to win every game. And, you know, if it's a tougher game or a game that, you know, in the back of your mind, you might have a little bit of doubt. You know, I think you just got to put in that much work, you know, to try to come up with the best strategy to give your ch- team the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in my early years of head coaching, we didn't have the world's greatest team, and we were sitting at 0-6. Yeah, um, And I just... I was in shambles. I started my high school career as a head coach, you know, 0-6. And, and I'm like, uh, I came home to my wife, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, what to do. I don't know if I'm fit for this, you know, and whatnot. And, um, you know, we went on to be uh, 10 and 11 that year, you know. And so we won 10 of our, you know, out of however many games. and
0: 10 out of 15. Whatnot. I teach history, but I – I think yeah. I got the math right here. Yeah, so. you yep. know, and
1: so that was, you know, we turned it around a little bit and I just had to readjust my coaching style of what to do. And so I think, um, you know, every now and then there might be those tough games, but you, you're you the leader of this group. So you've got to make sure that they have, you know, the confidence to go out there and play and beat anyone at any moment, no matter what the outsiders are saying, you know, and whatnot. You have to get your team focused and believing um, that you can get it done because well, the minute that that ball tips, you know anything can happen when you step on the basketball court. Is you know I'm sure you know and everybody knows. So yeah, um, just keeping a positive attitude of you know whatnot.
0: Yeah, well, and, and I you know you have to sell to your team every night out that here's how if if we do this and this and this, this is going to give us a chance to win tonight's game, and you may know, hey, no matter what, I mean we we got a you know Lloyd Christmas here. what's one in a million, you know uh, <laughs> you know type, type type of a thing. but at the same time you have to sell that. Um, you know, you, like you like you said, coach, I think you bring up a great point. You are the leader of this group and you have to, you know you would have never gone ten and five in those last 15 games. If you would not have established some sort of standard and some sort of uh, expectation, those first six games that you lost, and and so and and we're at the point of the season right now. We're recording this on January the seventh. Uh, that you know there there are teams that are obviously struggling at this point, but you've got to keep working at it. You've got to keep giving your kids hope. You've got to keep uh, grinding away at it and and finding some sort of silver lining to kind of keep that group moving forward and you know trying to sell them on okay it's going to be tough for us but if we do this and this and this this will give us a chance here now we've got to go out and do it let's keep working at it I I think that's a big part of it in my opinion what do you think
1: yeah definitely um you know there's like I said there's going to be plenty of games and you know throughout our careers that there's really a small chance of winning but um you've got to just try to find key things like you said to point out to the group that if you can go out and win those, you know, win those objectives during the game and whatnot, then you will have your best opportunity to win, even though it might not lead to a win. Mm -hmm. You know, it's at least something to build on and something to, you know, you can look at after the game as hey, you know, here's a positive. You know, we out-rebounded them. You know, we knew if we out-rebounded them, it at least would give us a chance and whatnot. You gotta just keep finding little little things after little things because you know, it is hard to Keep mm-hmm. kids motivated if things aren't going in the right direction.
0: Well, in in my current position, you know, I took over a situation where uh, it was it was a struggle. Um, they, they had really struggled the three previous years. And so, Coach, we literally started out, we talked about taking good shots, getting a good shot every possession. And for our first two games, and we played two really good teams my first two games that year, mm-hmm. we... We just said, okay, let's do this and this and this. And here's here's our shot selection system. Here's how the math is going to work. Here's what it was for the first game. And then the second game, we, we played a team that went on to the state tournament. They won our conference. And we only scored, I still remember, we only scored 16 points against them. But our shot quality drastically increased. And we took much better care of the basketball. And so we literally said, hey, Look what you did game one against this team. look what you did against game two. look how much of a jump you made in that short amount of time. Now let's go out here and then our third game, we played a team that was kind of on our level per se, skill wise and we ended up winning pretty convincingly. and I truly believe because we focused on just let's get a good shot and let's take care of the ball and let's not turn over the ball 172 times. you know let's you know that led us to winning that third game when we had a chance to win because that's what we emphasize there. And I think those are the things that you can do when you are struggling. Sometimes you just got to zero down on one or two things to help get your team moving in the right direction and give your kids some confidence.
1: Yeah, Yep. no, exactly, and I mean, that that honestly sounds like, you know, a lot like what, you know, I had to do, I, when, you know, I'm a coach that loves to run and gun and try to score as many points as possible, you know, while also playing, you know, great defense, but, um, you know, I like to get the ball up and down the court, and so, um, that's what I came in as my first year of wanting to do, and, man, we were, we were having 20 turnovers a game, it was sloppy, it was bad, we were taking, you know, shots we probably shouldn't be taking, and. Um, you know, again I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, Okay, this isn't working, I've gotta readjust somewhere or something. Um, you know, and it kinda of went, you know, with what you did. You just we slowed things down. You know, you work the ball, you try to limit turnovers to where you're getting a shot every possession. You know, I think that goes a long ways Um, you know, and whatnot, and then we had to just start winning games, you know, in the forties. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if we could get to forty and keep them in the forty, like we're gonna have a really good chance to win. Mm -hmm. you know whatnot it was very ugly basketball wasn't the most fun basketball you know for stands people in the stands to watch but it led to us getting wins and that's just what i told our kids you know i go you know i i'm sorry guys i i know you want to do things differently but if we want to win games this is just the direction that we've got to go for the rest of the year um ended up putting us in a decent spot you know with a chance to win a lot of games and we even beat a couple teams that maybe we shouldn't have but um just things that you got to do
0: yeah yeah absolutely so well let's uh let's jump into some of your coaching philosophy here coach you gave me the blank palette which i love <laughs> that's that's awesome so we're going to talk about some things here hopefully that we haven't talked about uh in a while on a pen and a napkin uh let's let's i'm, I'm gonna switch up the order on you here too coach all right so i yeah, apologize yeah. eric all right no, but are, are you ready sir yeah okay uh, let's let's talk a little special situations. Let's talk special teams. Uh, how often do you work on it? What are some things that you do? Um, you know where do you implement that in practice what are some of your 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 key philosophies uh how do you how do you handle that how do you teach it uh the the floor is yours uh when I feel the need to interrupt I will try to do so as politely as i can uh but I'm just gonna let you cook your coach and and uh tell us about uh what you guys do at amherst there to to work on special teams special situations and and uh get yourself ready for it
1: yeah for sure um you know. I think special situations is something that is very vital, you know, to a successful team. Um, Not necessarily are you going to use them every single game, but a special situation in my mind is a lot of different things. You know, it's end of a quarter, um, you know, end of a half, end the game. You know, those situations are special situations where you have to have things ready to go and whatnot. But then it also comes down to a lot of people think special situations is end of the game when things are tight, you Mm -hmm. know, whether you're down four, up four, you know, type thing. Um, So we work a lot on, you know, plays that we have, you know, obviously for end of quarter, you know, those type of special situations. Um, But then we try to treat like our, you know, we go through at the end of practice for about the last 20 minutes, 10 minutes or so. Um, That's kind of when we focus on like end of game, you know, when situations get tight like that. Um and whatnot, that's where we focus, you know, a lot about that on it. Um, usually a couple times a week at least is when we try to work on those. Um, you know, obviously if we have a bigger game coming up, you know, or that week or a couple big games that week, we'll work on it a little bit more to where we think that we might need it Um and whatnot and kind of just goes back to where you think your team is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a team that has a high basketball IQ, maybe it's something that you don't work on you know near as much Mm because you can trust them yeah um you know or an older team if you have a younger team that you know you're doing things differently then it might be something that you work on you know even more throughout the year in practices um and whatnot so i think that's kind of a a coach's discretion of where they think they need things to go you know in that order but um you know one instance i guess i'll just say we were just in wood river here the other day and uh we had one of our players, we were up two with, uh, 14 seconds to go. Um, and we got fouled. So our kids, our best players at the free throw line, he goes and he misses the first shot. Um, you know, and so if he makes the next one, we're only going to be up three still, um, with them coming and bringing them, them having the ball and whatnot. So he makes his next one. We're up three. I don't call a timeout. We just let it play. They end up getting a shot. He he misses, thankfully, um, and whatnot. But the minute he threw that ball in bounds, my mind went to thinking foul. You know, I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in up three with short time, you know, or somewhere, you know, twenty seconds or less, twenty to ten seconds right in there. Um, if you can let them take a couple dribbles and then ride right around half court, you know, give a foul. You know, put them at the free throw line. Or, at this instance, we only had three fouls, so they would have to reset, take it out. Yep. You know, I probably would have been able to call a timeout and reset things, come um, and talk it over. And, but that's something that I didn't. You know, we hadn't talked about a ton yet. We did a little bit. Um, mm. You know, but um, it's something that I, I talked to my assistant coach afterwards. I was like, "Man, I I about blew it for us, and I was going to feel terrible. Yeah. That you know and whatnot. But thankfully. It worked out, and it's something that we definitely, you know, went over the next day of practice, you know. And again, yeah, had you had you uh, mind,
0: had you gone over it in practice at all? Fouling up there,
1: we had a little bit, but not, you know, we hadn't a lot. Yeah. And so, like I said, I was gonna, I was really gonna beat myself up if these guys would have came back and tied the game, and then some crazy thing happened in overtime, you know, and whatnot. So, it's but, something that we definitely talk about now, and.
0: Yeah, but but I, I do think, though, in those situations, if you haven't practiced it, it's probably best just to let it play out and trust your kids, because sometimes if you haven't practiced it, uh, you know, then, then you're you're kind of setting yourself up for maybe even a bigger disaster because know, in a, in a high stress situation, presser, and and you know, sometimes we have to remind ourselves, it, you know, uh, we're 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 working with young kids. It's not an Xbox game. Um, yeah. You know, we've got to uh, we've got to keep that in mind that you know they they, they are fallible and they they are going to make mistakes. And and so I think you made the right decision. Just because I'm always like. And I, and I've been there coach, you know, you're, you're up three with 10 seconds left. We should probably foul, but man, we haven't worked on it and we'll probably screw it up more than we'll make it right. (laughs) So um, I think that's a big part of special situations and, and special teams, but you have to carve out that time to work on it. And that's hard to do as well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and again, that's why I didn't open my mouth and yell (laughs) foul because again, like you said, then who knows, you know, what kid would have done what and, yeah, so I just let it go. You know, I knew it would be something that it was on me if we ended up making... They made the shot and things, you know, went on. We'd live and we'd go to overtime and whatnot. But um, it's something that, like I said, now, you know, we went over the next day in practice and everything. And so... Um, and moving forward, you know, as the year goes on, I think, you know, we work on special situations a little bit more now, knowing that games are going to be tougher, you know, and different things too. So... Um, but yeah, if you don't practice it, then... It's hard to get your kids to you know yell out things or you know for your kids to do because, like you said, it could could lead to some bad things mm-hmm. um,
0: when you're are, are you a guy who uh, you're you're down one twenty seconds left to go, you've just called a timeout. Uh, are you, uh, when it comes to special situations, special teams, are you drawing something up on the board or are you running something that your kids are familiar with and, and we're executing what
1: we know? You know, a lot of, a lot of it was probably just stuff that we know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, or it's a play, you know, if I do draw something up, it's a play that we have went over in practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I mean, there's a lot of plays that we, we go over in practice that we don't necessarily run. In that many games. And we just kind of tell the kids, like, we're going over this. You know, it's kind of a, you know, after it out of a timeout or, you know, end of game or some situation like that to where, you know, but it's at least in their mind that they've ran this play before. Mm-hmm. You know, very seldom do I drop a completely brand new play um, that the kids at least haven't worked on just because, again, you have 30, 45 seconds max to drawing a whiteboard when, you know, you're in a stressful situation. And so you're, you know, maybe a little bit shaky at times on the marker board and you're trying to get the kids to understand what you're wanting them to do. And I think that can lead to some bad things too. So we always do things that we've at least touched on, you know, and whatnot. Um, but a lot of it is just our stuff that, that we run throughout the game. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's the way uh, I am, especially with, with coaching girls. Uh, And that's that's no knock against uh, anybody in that regard. But a lot of times you just like you said, you get into that stressful situation. It's like, okay, what do we know? What have we ran? Uh, Let's let's run something that we trust. And maybe you could throw in, okay, we're going to run Omaha. But here's this little wrinkle that we're going to run off of it you know, uh, look for this here, or instead of running this cut like this, run it like this. I think they're going to play it like this. And, and I, and I think those are things that you can do in those situations there. So, um, I like that coach. I, I like that a lot. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the Pen and a Napkin Video Library. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about scouting. Let's jump into scouting here, Coach. Uh, tell us a little bit about your scouting philosophy. Um, what you guys do at Amherst? Uh, how you prepare? Uh, how you prepare your team? Uh, you know, kind of just dive into us there. How you, how you put together a game plan and and what you guys do, Eric?
1: Yeah. Um. So, you know, I've I've been very fortunate, and you know blessed that uh i have a very very you know good assistant um jaylen Heiser. he's uh you know the heizer name runs oh deep yeah in, yeah, in yeah joel. he's joel Heezer. okay you know it's his son
0: okay
1: um you know and the great jerry jerry heizer from unk and so um you know Jalen came to amherst uh three four years you know three or four years ago i think is when he was and um automatically you know again he's from a cook too at a young age so we we've known each other our families are very good friends um but then Jalen, you know moved to to pavilion um and whatnot and so we kind of lost touch for a long you know long period of time and everything and so it was kind of funny when my principal said that this you know they were looking to hire him as our science teacher and i'm like oh that'd be told my wife that'd be great you know, he could be on our, you know, be an assistant for me and whatnot. Another young guy who's in the school, you know, to help out. And so, um, he, he brings a lot of basketball knowledge. Obviously, his family has a big basketball background. Yep. So he brings a lot of knowledge that he's learned, you know, growing up from his dad, or he can reach out to his dad and his, you know, he has a bunch of different connections of whatnot. And so Jalen has been a huge, huge, Asset to us at Amherst. And so he's really good with finding things on film. You know, we both watch film, you know, a lot going into games or whatnot. But um, for big games is when we run our scouting reports and he kind of handles and writes up the scouting report. You know, I kind of let him do his thing, you know, with that and whatnot. So um, we go over it together and we know what's, you know, we talk about it with the kids he's the one who writes it up, you know, and whatnot. And then we kind of just feed off each other. You know, I think we do a good job of deciphering things and seeing things that one, one of us didn't, you know, maybe see that the other one did, you know, type thing. And so, um, but as you're watching film, obviously you're looking for tendencies, you know, of each kid, you know, obviously they're better players of, you know, he's left-handed, but maybe he likes to drive to his right hand, you know, more often than not or, You know, if he goes right, he's going to spin back to his left, you know, type things like that, that you you just try to find little things that maybe you can point out to your team Mm -hmm. that will give you a slight edge, you know, on them. And then, you know, some defensive tendencies for what your offense can kind of, you know, pick out that they're not necessarily great on either um, and whatnot. But a lot of hours of film, you know, study and different things. You know, we clip things on huddle and whatnot like I said he's very good at technology and so he does a lot of that and then we just feed off each other but um I I owe a lot of credit to him you mm-hmm. know as he's he's just a much much a part of our success as we had as anybody
0: mm-hmm. how do you uh how do you present it to your kids Eric
1: um he'll have it printed off usually the week of the game you know if say the games on Thursday, usually by Monday, if we don't have any other games, um, Monday we'll do a film session before practice and we'll present them with the study guide. That way, it's in their head, you know, the rest of the week. You know, and we'll we'll talk about it, we'll read through it, and then we'll watch a little bit of film together, and then we go and we start putting it on, on the court, you know, mm-hmm. what we're going to do and talking about it that way. So, um, the biggest thing is, like I said, getting it out there to them, and then that way they have it, you know. They're to take it to class with them, and any downtime in class, they're to look over it a little bit. That way, they have it all week and whatnot. And sometimes it's, you know, we had a game on Tuesday night, and then Thursday is the big game, and so Wednesday after school we is when we have one day to give that scouting report out and try to go over it as much as we can, and just tell the trust your kids to study it. So. Mm-hmm. um we just try to give it to them as early as possible but we never give it to kids before you know another you know if, like i said if we have a game on tuesday and the big games on thursday we won't ever give it to them until that wednesday mm-hmm. as you don't want kids to you know maybe overlook another opponent
0: how much uh so so let's say you're in that tuesday thursday or let's even go tuesday friday coach all right okay. uh so you get done playing on tuesday you got a game on friday uh you know, how what percentage of your practice on Wednesday, what percentage of your practice on Thursday are you spending going over your scout and 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 how typically, and I know I get it, every game's different, but mm-hmm. typically how are you going over that in practice?
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of it depends on how tough Tuesday's game is. You know, Tuesday, like I said, we had a game on, you know, Tuesday we had Wood River. We beat them, you know, by three, very hard-fought game. We have just come off our holiday tournament last Friday and Saturday of two really tough games. And so our kids have, you know, put a lot of, a lot of step. Um, and so we would spend Wednesday majority would just be going over the scouting report. A lot of film probably um, I'd say about an hour of scouting, scouting report and film together. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go out onto the court and we'll do, you know, a light walkthrough for 45 minutes to maybe an hour, mm-hmm. you know, of on the court going over things of telling them, you know, what we're going to do the next day in practice to really kind of amp things up but you got to know that we just came off a couple you know a game and so if we have another day to prepare you know and that Thursday Wednesday's a very light day for us well we won't spend a ton of time of getting up and down or getting after each other where we'll it's more of just deciphering through things and showing and telling the kids what we're going to do the next day and then that Thursday we kind of ramp things up a little
0: bit mhm gotcha um let's uh let's wrap it up here eric we got time for one more topic here you want to talk transition defense or you want to talk press breaks
1: uh we can go press breaks
0: okay all right the choice is yours my friend so uh tell us a little bit about your press break philosophy uh what you do to implement them uh yeah just just yeah just kind of just kind of let it rip here coach and we'll roll from there
1: yeah. Um, you know, we don't see a ton of presses, you know, throughout the year, but um when we do it kind of just depends, you know, what different you know, there's a lot of different presses out there. If they're in more of a an on ball, you know, like a diamond press, a one two, one one, you know, we run a we run a line press of four across the free throw line. Um, you know, and we try to hit hit one of the three guys, you know, and then we put our best player closest to the sideline with our two best guards. at the elbows and we try to hit the guy coming along the side, you know, on the sideline and then our two guards are cutting through Um, because again, in a diamond press, usually they're looking to trap that first pass. And so if someone, you get two guys draw to one and we have two cutters coming across the middle, you know, we like to then create an advantage going up the court. And so if we can hit one of those two guards, you know, going forward, that's what we try to do in that. Um, if it's more of like a box, a two-two-one light press, uh, we'll have our three guards, you know, staying back, and then we try to put one of our better players, you know, a taller player, just kind of sitting in the middle, um, and we just work it around till we can hit that middle, and then you know, we again, we we're have our two guards streaking up the sidelines to where we're hitting one of them, just trying to create advantages. Mm-hmm. You know, if teams want to, you know, teams that press are just trying to speed up the game maybe get the offense to kind of create a bad, you know, force a bad turnover, a silly mistake. And so in my mind, okay, you want to press, you know, there, then we're going to go try to get an advantage, you know, going on the offensive end and of, you know, that we're going to score, you know, and we're going to make you pay for it. Now, again, different teams, you know, if you have different levels of different teams that can do that, but, um, you know, you can, you got to just trust your players of what to do and what not. Um, and then man to man, you know, every now and then we'll run the, the football play, mm-hmm. you know, where we have four, all five guys are standing out of bounds and we'll drop a football play of routes and different things like that. So I think that's <laughs> kind of fun for the kids, you know, yeah. and whatnot. And it kind of throws the defense for a little bit of a loop. Yeah. Honestly. Mm-hmm. But it's um, man to man. It's just, it's trying to get your best players, obviously, open and get to the ball. Yeah. You know, there's a ton of different. Um, Mindsets. You can go in directions. You can go with that one.
0: Yeah, we we actually uh, we run a variation of that. We we don't start with them out of bounds, but we start with them low on the baseline. And and and, you know if you've got quick kids, it's hard. If if you get space, it's hard to guard them in that space when they're when they're reading and cutting back. And it's been successful for us as well. Uh, I actually picked it up a long time ago from from Don Meyer, one of one of Don Meyer's. 50,000 uh videotapes you know uh but oh, yeah. but but that's a that's a that's a great press break to use late in games because uh like you said coach it's it's hard to uh it, it's like running a little bit of spread offense in football and I've never really thought about it like that uh but you got the 2 by 2 uh or however you want to line it up and 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 that's really really difficult for your opponent to match up in that space against a kid like that
1: Yeah. You know, again, you're just trying to create an advantage, you know, advantages and especially on the basketball court, on the football field, they let them play with their hands a little bit. So it's easier to guard, you know, on the basketball court, you can't jam a receiver coming off the line of scrimmage. You know what I mean? And so um, got, you know, kind of got that idea from one of my good buddies. He's been on, been on the podcast, Jordan Arndtorf, oh, okay. you know, yep. over at Pleasanton. Um, he's we both live here in Carney, where we golf all the time in the summers together, and so he ran it down in the state championship game. Um, and I'd kind of, kind of have obviously seen it, but you know, I haven't really talked to him, and so I talked to him a little bit afterwards, and he's the one that kind of gave me, you know, the idea about it a little bit. So mm-hmm. you know, credit to him.
0: Yeah, we will give Jordan where credit is due. So that's right. All right, so. Eric Rippin, head boys basketball coach at Amherst High School in Amherst, Nebraska. Uh, coach, if, if folks want to know more about your program, uh, what are some ways they can, can track you down?
1: Yeah, um, you know, we're on social media. We have, you know, Amherst Hoops on Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook. can reach out to us through that way um, and whatnot. You can always go on the Amherst Public Schools website and catch my email address. Um, to reach out me, reach out at me through that way, but um, yeah. Any way we can help, or just want to reach out about our story, you know, and different things. I had a bunch of people reach out about, you know, the team sling thing after the state tournament and whatnot, and different things. So, um, it's been it's been pretty special.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, coach, you've done a terrific job with your program. You got it, you know. Uh, it's one thing to take a a really good group and and guide them through. Uh, but you've kind of reinvented it here a a little bit here. You know, you guys are what nine and one, ten and one right now. So, uh, it's not a fluke right now. You got it. You're doing some great things and and keep it rolling, man.
1: Yeah, nope. I really, really appreciate
0: it. Yeah. Uh, Coach, hope you've enjoyed your time on a pen and napkin. We've we've kind of dusted off the cobwebs a little bit here. We I, I think we got it going a little bit uh, pretty well for a couple of guys who are pretty tired in the middle of January on a on an early Sunday morning. I, I think we delivered some quality material today.
1: Yeah, nope. I think it's been great. You you do a fantastic job. I love love listening to you, and um, you know, hopefully, again, like you said, people can continue to listen to this and you know get your name and podcast out there cuz I think you you run a lot of good content and a lot of good stuff and it's it's awesome you know for the basketball community.
0: Well, thank you. I really really appreciate that. Uh it, it's not possible without uh folks like you giving up your time and uh especially in the season uh to talk hoops here. So really really appreciate it coach. So uh we're going to wrap things up here. Coach, if you could hold the line here just a second as we as we uh, take things home here. Uh, again, Eric Rippen, the head boys basketball coach at Amherst High School here in Nebraska. I want to thank him. We, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, if you are in the Omaha area, if you need some chiropractic services, go check out Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi, 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, and review. Like I said, that really helps out the podcast, helps out in the ratings, that type of thing. Email me if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Episode number 205, Eric Rippon, head boys basketball coach at Amherst High School here in Amherst, Nebraska, out by Kearney. Uh, Just uh, like I said, he's uh, built a really solid program out there, doing a terrific job. And uh, so I want to thank him for his time this morning as well. So coaches, as always, let's be sure to hold our craft one day at a time.